It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. If you have been following my program then you are aware that for several episodes I've been critiquing Richard Dawkins' 2006 book, The God Delusion. This is a frontal attack on the design argument for the existence of God and on religion in particular, expounding the thesis that belief in a supernatural creator qualifies as a delusion. The Economist praised Dawkins' incisive logic and rapier wit, but others have taken Dawkins to task. In The American Spectator, for example, Richard Kirk wrote, This garrulous diatribe contains just about anything that crosses the author's mind. So which is it? Is the God delusion full of incisive logic, or is it a garrulous diatribe? I think it's the latter, but you be the judge. I am now discussing what he calls the central argument of his book. And along the way, I have remarked that Dawkins claims that natural selection is the champion explanation of all time for explaining anything. But natural selection was not there at the beginning of the universe. It depends on life and reproduction of offsprings of living beings before it can even get started. The age of the universe is 13.7 billion years. The age of the Earth is 4.6 billion years. And life on Earth is 3.85 billion years old. So there would be almost 10 billion years before natural selection could even start on Earth. And therefore, natural selection simply could not act out its part of the theatric play of life on Earth because it was not even on the stage yet. So natural selection is limited in what it can explain. Evolution, random mutations, and natural selection does do something for sure. But the real issue is, does evolution support the weight put on it to explain everything? I doubt it, despite what Dawkins says. I quote the atheistic philosopher Thomas Nagel, who has written a very important book called Mind and Cosmos with the subtitle Why the Materialist Neo-Darwinian Conception of Nature is Almost Certainly False. In it, Nagel writes, 
Many people think it will be very difficult to come up with a real reductionist explanation of the origin of life. Nagel also said, I realize that such doubts about a fully mechanistic account of the origin of and evolution of life will strike many people as outrageous. But that is because almost everyone in our secular culture has been browbeaten into regarding the reductive research program as sacrosanct on the ground that anything else would not be science. Moreover, Nagel said, no conception of the natural order that does not reveal the existence of consciousness as something to be expected can aspire even to the outlines of completeness. And if physical science leaves us necessarily in the dark about consciousness, that shows that it cannot provide the basic form of intelligibility for this world. There must be a very different way in which things as they are make sense, and that includes the physical world, since the problem cannot be quarantined in the mind. Remember that cause and effect is accepted by every field of science as a foundational working principle. No effect is ever quantitatively greater or qualitatively superior to its cause. An effect can be lower than its cause, but never higher. This is a fundamental fact of the causality principle. In stark contrast, evolutionists reverse this fact and attempt to make effects greater than their causes. They do this when they maintain the philosophical absurd position that life comes from non-living matter, organized complexity comes from chaos, personality comes from impersonal forces, consciousness from unconscious matter, ought comes from is, intelligence comes from chance, and logical thinking results from random interactions of atoms in the brain. It is nonsense to say that an effect can be greater than its cause. Evolutionists slip intelligent purpose through the back door under the guise of natural selection. Nevertheless, Dawkins has this to say. Who, before Darwin, could have guessed that something so apparently designed as a dragonfly's wing or an eagle's eye was really the end product of a long sequence of non-random but purely natural causes? So Dawkins says that the eagle's eye was not intelligently designed. Neither did it happen by chance nor was it the result of physical laws, but only came about by evolution, random variation and natural selection. According to Dawkins, advances in our understanding of evolution make belief in God obsolete. He calls the God of the Old Testament the most unpleasant character in all fiction. 
Apparently Dawkins has an anything-but-God mindset and seems unwilling to let a divine foot into the door. Now I return to statement five of Dawkins' central argument. He writes, We don't have an equivalent crane for physics, some kind of multiverse theory that could in principle do for physics the same explanatory work for physics that Darwinianism does for biology. This kind of explanation is superficially less satisfying than the biological version of Darwinianism because it makes heavier demands on luck. But the anthropic principle entitles us to postulate far more luck than our limited human intuition is comfortable with. Okay, what is Dawkins' point? Dawkins, like other atheist scientists, try to avoid the implication of the Big Bang. That is, they want to avoid the conclusion of the Kalam argument that the universe had a cause outside of the universe. Since all matter, time, and space in the universe came into being with the beginning of the universe, that cause would have to be immaterial, so spirit, timeless, so eternal, and spaceless, so omnipresent. Thus, whether you use the word God or not, that cause of the universe must exist. If there is a Big Bang, there must be a Big Banger. In fact, you may recall that I went beyond the Kalam argument to conclude that the first cause of the universe is identical to the God of the Bible. But the question remains, if physics did have such a crane as Dawkins hopes, what is the logic behind the crane that would prove anything about the non-existence of God? And in particular, what luck does Dawkins mean? If you do have that luck, what would that imply? Dawkins doesn't say. Dawkins' statement six of the central argument says, but we should not give up the hope of a better crane arising in physics. Something as powerful as Darwinian evolution is for biology. But even in the absence of a strongly satisfying crane to match the biological one, the relatively weak cranes we have at present are, when abetted by the anthropic principle, is self-evidently better than the self-defeating skyhook hypothesis of an intelligent designer. If the argument of this chapter is accepted, the factual premise of religion the God hypothesis is untenable. So, again I ask, how does your hope for an explanation in physics advance your conclusion about the non-existence of God? Is this merely a wish fulfillment on your part? Or perhaps this is simply a no-God-of-the-gaps argument necessitated by your presupposition of atheism. Or maybe it is a figment of your imagination. How does your hope for a crane in physics, abetted by anthropic principle, give a better argument than the God hypothesis? The burden of 
proof is on you, Dr. Dawkins, and you've given no logic to bolster your claim. Hope that is not founded in fact is not really hope, but nothing more than an illusion. Just because you say it's better doesn't make it true. I think you know that. But you are expecting no one will call your bluff. But I am. Dawkins' conclusion. Therefore, God almost certainly does not exist. To disagree with the conclusion of any argument, we must show that at least one of three logical mistakes occur. Either an ambiguous term, a false premise, or a logical fallacy occurs in the argument. I will show there are some false statements in his argument. It's natural to assume that Dawkins' six statements are premises in his argument. By numbering his statements, he gives the appearance that he is offering a standard form of an argument which includes premises, a conclusion, and reasons supporting the premises. But despite the appearances, this is just another of those pseudo-appearances. Response 1. Dawkins' argument, as it stands, falls very short of even remotely coming close to implying its conclusion. Anyone, even with a minimal amount of understanding of logic, knows that if a term, in this case God, appears in the conclusion, then that term must also appear somewhere in the body of the argument. Or otherwise, there could be no conclusion about that term. You can search the six statements and find no mention of God anywhere. You have to give Dawkins the benefit of the doubt to suspect there is a hint of a reference to God in the question, who designed the designer? in statement three. The reader will have to go to chapter four to conclude Dawkins might concede that if there is a designer, then that designer is God. Far from being the devastating retort Dawkins supposes his question to be, it avoids the real issue of providing evidence for his position. So that alone is sufficient reason to deny his conclusion. Response 2. In most examples of arguments, premises are normally truth claims. But in fact, the statements 1 through 6 are not truth claims at all, but are far from it. A truth claim is a declarative sentence where the content of the sentence is either true or false. Statements 1 and two seem only to set the historical stage for his supposed argument. Statement three ends with a question, and it's hard to envision how a truth claim could ever be affirmed by a question. Statements four through six are about explanations. Statement five says we don't yet have a crane for physics equivalent to Darwinian evolution by natural selection. Statement six is about hoping. We will return to this point 
in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.